When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by John Donovan and Longhorn Wealth Management Group. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined this morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton. And a great show today, guys. 22 (laughs) days away from spring ball. We got Tom Luganville from ESPN joining us later today. The NFL Combine starts today, I guess you could say. Obviously going to get going later on in the week, but a lot to talk about. But first, be sure to tell us where you're checking in from, what you're drinking. Bobby and Jerry both like to see that. And guys, I think we can put everyone at ease a little bit. You know, the past week or two, we've had a lot of Tashard choice. Could he be going to Georgia type questions? Well, they have hired the running back coach and Georgia Tech wide receiver coach, Josh Crawford. He'll be heading over to Athens. Jerry, what do you know about that? Yeah, I think a former high school coach in the uh, Georgia and the Atlanta area. They also hired James Coley, it sounds like, as wide receivers coach, right? Wow. So Kirby continues to plant his flag in Georgia and the state of Florida. Right? That's what you. That's the important thing to know with those two hires. I think they're two solid recruiting hires uh, for Kirby Smart, which he doesn't make many mistakes in recruiting. Uh, so really good, really good um, uh, hires there. I was told last night. Um, actually by two people yesterday afternoon, evening on my drive up to Dallas, um, that they would be very surprised if the shard choice went to Georgia. And I, I put that on, on texasfootball.com. Uh, so, um, um, so that's, uh, that, that was pretty much falls in line with Georgia's hire. Uh, I think that was a smart hire by Georgia. They continue to plant that in-state flag and then South to Georgia, I'm South to Florida. So, uh, we'll, we'll we'll see uh, we'll see what goes goes on from there. But uh, those are Georgia's hires. Um, we have a, a bunch of news, man, today. A bunch of recruiting news. I just posted uh, a, a smorgasbord of notes, recruiting notes and nuggets on OnTexasFootball.com. Uh, on Texas Football broke news uh, yesterday that Jackson Christian, the offensive lineman out of Port Natchez, grows. Britt Rasco, if you're in the chat, uh, Jackson Christian will visit Texas June 21st through 23rd officially. A&M the 14th through 16th officially. He'll also be at Texas A&M for an unofficial April 6th, Texas April 13th. So where's this recruitment headed? There you go. That's where this recruitment's headed uh, as of right now, headed into the spring. It's going to be A&M or Texas for Jackson Christian. Texas offered way before, but A&M gets the pass because they have a new staff. Uh, then we broke the news that Jonte Newman, uh, offensive tackle out of Bridgeland, uh, there in the Cypress area, uh, is going to officially visit Texas June 14th through 16th. Newman told me that uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, so again, that's two of the two of the top offensive line targets now have official visits scheduled, uh, which that means John Mills is coming in the 14th through 16th as well. Tyler Thomas should be that last weekend in June. Michael Fasusi should be that last weekend in June. Fasusi will also be on campus April 9th. So you see there the offensive line. 
uh, recruiting kind of coming together as far as the spring unofficial visits than the June official visits. And then uh, yeah, I went to a track meet Saturday to Sam Mosley re relays out in Humble. Um, Zion Williams talked to Zion Williams for a while. And my takeaway was LSU 1A, Texas 1B, AM 3, TCU 4. Uh, that was my takeaway. That's headed into the spring. So much can change. Uh, Zion Williams will be at LSU on March 9th. LSU's ma massive recruiting weekend. Dylan Battle will be there. Uh, Tyler Thomas, I believe, from Dickinson will be there. Uh, some guys in Florida and Georgia that I've talked to are, are planning to be at LSU that weekend. That's their big weekend. Um, so uh, that that Zion Williams will be there. I think he'll be at the Texas spring game, most likely. He'll definitely take a June official visit to Texas, LSU, A&M. His official visit is set to TCU. TCU's trying to get in early. That's the first weekend in May. Uh, so I think Jonathan Cunningham from North Crowley is also scheduled for the first weekend in May. So TCU is going to try – to kind of see where they stand with some of these guys early in May, which I think is smart when you're going up against the Blue Bloods in recruiting. Hey, Jerry, your article this morning was unbelievable. Phenomenal. Yeah. Um, just unbelievable. A lot of, lot of news and notes. If you don't read it, uh, look, it's free. And go to the message boards. Go to the go to the community uh, page. Go to uh, the news page on, on Texas football. Absolutely free. And I, I'm telling you, Jerry, uh, <laughs> Smorgasbord is right because it was kind of – you could pick any anything you wanted to read about to the, this morning. It's just terrific stuff. Uh, uh, hey, the uh, Andrew Marsh. We, I need to mention yes, that. that was the, that was the lead of it, Jerry. The the wide receiver <laughs> that people were wondering what's going on with Andrew Marsh. A lot of people have him pinned, including myself, as going to uh, Texas A and M. But you're saying, hey, Texas is kind of flashed here a little bit with him. Yeah. Well, he uh, Andrew Marsh told me he's a, an unofficially visiting Texas March 25th. He made a junior day visit to A&M in January, did not go to Texas. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see how that the board shakes out. It's interesting. I had a conversation uh, with somebody that I call plugged in to a receiver recruiting yesterday afternoon when I was on the road, and that person kind of predicted Khalif Lockett ends up at Texas. So we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens with these numbers. I mean, Kelshawn Johnson, Khalif Lockett, J uh, Jamie French, the five-star out of Jacksonville Mandarin, they're all coming to Texas April 6th. That's significant because that's when K.J. Lacey's going to be there. Uh, multiple offensive linemen, John Mills, uh, will be in that. Multiple guys on April 6th. That's the big offensive recruiting weekend. Uh, Marcus Harris from Modern Day is the spring game and then a late June official visit. So all kids can't make it in the same weekends, but – if Texas gets guys in April 6th, that's kind of telling as far as offensive recruiting because that's they've done this before with Arch Manning. They brought in Arch Manning one weekend for the spring win. The 2022 class of offensive linemen were all on campus watching spring practice. So you're seeing Texas do this again with offensive prospects here April 6th weekend. Yeah, it's it's getting to be that time. That, that's That's all there is to it. Uh, recruiting is starting to actually take shape. Yeah. Right. I mean, we, 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 we're giving you guys a bunch of names and have kind of inundated y'all with names, to be honest with you, whether it's offensive lineman, defensive lineman, whatever the position. Um, and now it's starting to get to the point where we're starting to see who's, who's who, and we're adding guys. I mean, you yes. added a defensive end from Indiana yesterday. That's got an official visit to Texas, Jerry. I mean, Myron Charles out of uh, Port Charlotte in Florida, the defensive tackle, he's coming in as well, it looks like. So you um, right now is the time to kind of catch up on recruiting. 
and get going because I think the next month and a half really it's going to be it's going to go hog wild is is my prediction. Hey, uh, you know we talked about or I talked said the combine starts this week and uh, Bobby, I know over on the on Texas football community page you put this poll up here and let me remove this so everybody can see sorry about that you said which longhorn will have the best performance at the nfl combine it, worthy and murphy pretty close there were y'all surprised by that or did y'all think it'd be neck and neck with those two i think it makes sense and here's why they both have outstanding traits for their position and murphy's gonna test out of this world i think not only on the bench, but also on the, the sprint, right? The 40-yard dash, probably the elk, all that stuff. He'll test really well because he's a little bit smaller defensive tackle. You got to keep that in mind, right? So he should test well. I agree with that. And then Xavier Worthy, he goes and pops off a low 4-3. That's all he needs to do. And yeah. what do Texas fans know that he can do? Run. <laughs> you know, that's So I agree. I absolutely actually agree with this uh, result. I mean – uh, the one that didn't get much uh, love is JT Sanders. I'm interested to really see what he runs. I am you know, too. Jerry, I mean, if he runs, you think he's going to run four seven? You think he's going to run four six? What he uh, four so, eight? I mean, what's he going to run? A, I think on a football field, he's a low four seven guy. But these guys train specifically for the ten and the forty. So yeah. I wouldn't shock me if he doesn't bring that time down to the mid four sixes. He needs to for his draft stock. By the way. If he goes out and runs four seven two four seven five, I'm not sure that's you know he's not going to boost his stock that way. So I think the forty times these guys train for it, truly train for it for the first time in their life over an extended period of time. Like Bobby, you, you used to go to Nike camps. I'm part of the Under Armour camp. The series have been for years. Um, these guys don't know how to run. They yeah, do not at that age. They don't know how to maximize a forty yard dash, a ten yard. Uh, a, a 10-yard split. So this is really when they learn. And that's why I'm interested to see A.D. Mitchell as well. I think A.D. Mitchell um, and J.T. Sanders, from a testing standpoint, have the most to gain because I, I think their expectations may be a little lower where Byron Murphy and Xavier Worthy's expectations for their position are very high. So Sanders and Mitchell, the, the, the 10, the 40, the Elkhorn, the 5-10-5 are going to be huge for those guys, in my estimation. The gauntlet is going to be huge for Xavier Worthy, in my estimation. And then Byron Murphy's got to test extremely well and interview well, so he continues to knock down those that talk about the lack of arm length, the lack of height, and the lack of pull. Hey, look at that, Jerry. That's the that So that is the NFL Scouting Combine live drills. How far we have come. Yes. Texas will have people participating every day. <laughs> It'll be something for us to actually follow each and every day. That's a, that's a good sign. That's a positive of 11 yes. uh, guys going to the combine. I was looking there. Yes, they're going to be there then. Yeah. So that's a, that's a good thing. Hey, uh, uh, before we uh, get to uh, anything else, Blake, Longhorn Baseball, I'm seeing some comments here in the, in the side of the chat. Uh, 3-0 and over the weekend and did not allow a run. Is that my understanding? Yes, that, that is correct. So that they outscored Cal Poly over the series 15 to nothing. That's only happened, uh, I believe, three times in school history. Been Where they didn't get any, any runs? No, no runs. runs. Not a single run through the entire series. So that's only happened three times. 
Um, so, you know, a, a big deal there. Now, I, I was looking at some of those comments, like Brendan says, could we argue Texas has a top five pitching staff in America? Yeah, I'm not ready to say that yet. Um, and Cal Poly, and I said this over on OnTexasFootball.com, their offense just Wait, 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 wait. Blake sent me a text earlier this morning. Texas has the best pitching staff in America, no doubt. <laughs> you got me getting me in trouble. I never said anything of the such. Now, they're good. Don't get me wrong. I think they're even better than I thought they would be. There's still some question marks. But, I mean, it's it's a long season, as everybody knows. So, I I hate to say anything's top five at this point. But, man, there are some really good, some bright points on this team. and luckily. Uh, they have a long time to put it together, but we're about to really find out. You got Vanderbilt, LSU, all those teams coming up here in the next week or two. So we're going to see what Texas is made of. It won't be Cal Poly anymore. <laughs> hey, I, I, CJ, I don't know if you saw this last night. I don't know if y'all saw this last night, but on the live stream, CJ went out there and hung out in the Yeti yard last night or yesterday afternoon. He literally was I, like, I'm sheet white right now because I've been inside so much. CJ had like was his whole skin was burnt last night. <laughs> he, he stood out there pr- loud and proud in left field uh, last night watching the Longhorns. Hey, before we go any further, guys, I need to say thank you to our sponsor. Each and every Monday uh, is brought to you by John Donovan and, and the folks at Longhorn Wealth Management Group. John's a proud Texas X's Life member who has served more than 15 years as a Texas X's board member. He and his wife and John's six siblings, all proud UT grads. That explains why John has dedicated his firm to providing total wealth management for Texas alums, employees, family, and friends. Texas wants to remind all Texans that this Saturday, March 2nd, is Texas Independence Day. I did not know that, John. Uh, So just as our great Lone Star State succeeded in in establishing its independence from Mexico back in 1836, John and the Longhorn Wealth Team want to help each member of the On Texas Football family establish their own financial independence. Uh, Give John and his Longhorn Wealth Team a call, 972-707, or visit longhornwealth.net for a free 90-minute consultation to explore how they can help you achieve true financial independence. Remember the Alamo and hook them. John came up with that himself. Nice. Remember the Texas women's track and field won Big 12 yeah. championship. I'm shocked we're not flooded with Texas basketball comments. <laughs> no. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, so yeah, I'm well, done with that. Well, we'll talk they, some... oh, they, ahead, got shown, they got shown who's who. Yeah. They that game was never competitive, Jerry. Without never Kevin McCuller, that was not a good look for Texas. Um, I got a couple of texts in that game, 13-0 run, didn't use a timeout, waiting on the TV timeout. Same thing that happened in the Miami game. I got that text from two different people. Uh, very uh, – uh, but Texas basketball season is not over, though. I, I, I'm here to tell you um, that uh, Joe Lenardi still has Texas as an eight seed, eight, nine seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, if they beat Oklahoma State and Oklahoma at home, then there's a – High chance that they're probably uh, going to get back into the uh, NCAA tournament this year. No. Uh, but they got to win those two home games. That's right. And then David Rawls, real quick, before we bring Tom Luganville in, he says Longhorn softball up to number two in the country. Yes, they, but they did lose uh, to Stanford on Saturday night in extra innings, but that's their first loss of the season. So doing doing well. All, all, most of the athletic programs, anyway, are, are doing pretty well. 
But with that said, guys. Hey, wait, wait, wait. One thing. Women's basketball beat UCF by 30 points. Yeah. On, right. Over the weekend. Women's basketball now is tied with LSU for most 30-point wins this season. Take that, Kim Bulky, in your thousand dollar suits. <laughs> <laughs> and on and on track to get a number one seed. Yes, so, they are. Big, Without big Rory Harmon, by the way. Yeah. Vic Vic Schaefer, Vic Schaefer may be one of the top two or three coaches on on that uh on the Texas staff of uh, Chris Del Conte's staff, the athletic director. He Without really may be that good. Okay, y'all. Well, I am gonna bring in Tom Luganville from ESPN. And Tom, how you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. How are you doing this morning? Hey, Tom, I, I got to make an announcement here. Tom joined a club that you're in, Bobby. He now wears an offensive line number. He hit that number in age. <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday, Tom. I'm officially a center. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But – I feel and act like I'm 12, so I figure age is just a number. So I'm 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 pretty cool with it, to be honest with you. <laughs> I love all the memorabilia there in the background, Tom. You you know what do we make of I, Jerry and I were talking about this and, and said we knew you were coming on. What do you make of all this NCA ruling stuff that's going on? I mean, Friday afternoon, the the Tennessee federal judge basically just put a bomb on NIL and exploded it. Uh, what, what do you think of this at this point? It's just another step towards um, unionizing, becoming employees, getting out of the antitrust landscape, because it's the only way to stay out of court. Now, this was a bad ruling, a bad decision for the NCAA, but you know what? The NCAA deserves it, because how dare you come in and try to retroactively go after people on name, image, and likeness after when you launched what's been the most transformative legislation over the last 40 years of college athletics, and you dump it on the lap of everybody, and you give them no direction whatsoever. I, and I think I've shared this with you guys before, too, and I keep it on my, on my laptop right here. When this all happened, the NCAA released it in a one-sheet. They put all of their governance, their guidelines, whatever, on one page. Okay, like, what are we doing here? I mean, give give me a break. So, you know, at the end of the day, this just comes down to how do we now, how do we get to that next stop of figuring out, do we move away from the scholarship model and go to strictly university employees? Do we blend the two of them? Okay, because now you would be dealing with health insurance and benefits and, um, you know, all kinds of things that players don't deal with right, right now. All right. So it would be very transformative, but it would also be the one thing that I think does a lot of important things. Number one, there's no way that we're going to get to a world in college athletics that is the exact same as it is right now. It is lawlessness. It is completely complete chaos out there when it comes to just rules guys i mean that, that's the thing to me like if i look at this and i look at the nfl all right how is it that the green bay packers in their market can compete with the new york giants well how is it that um you know the the uh, detroit lions can compete with the dallas cowboys well they can because there's rules afforded to everybody 
and they're very strictly agreed upon and they're very strictly adhered to. You know, I, I chuckle all the time when I see these guys sitting out bowl games or sitting out the college football playoff. And well, that's not going to happen. But um, I, I, and I and I look at the NFL and I say, well, what if a, a player on an NFL roster got to like week 11 and it was clear that they were eliminated from the playoffs? Is that guy not going to play for the next seven weeks? Does he just get to walk away and, and, and not play? No. All right. So how do we get to a point where we have full participation? We have stipulations and standards and performance uh, reviews. And you have to now as the student athlete, you're going to have to hold up your end of the bargain because you're going to be under contract. That's the issue that I think coaches have more than anything else. They've acknowledged and recognized that this name, image, and likeness scenario, it's here to stay. It's not, we're not going backwards. We're not putting the pace back in the tube. But, and I don't blame them. And anybody says, oh, well, they make a lot of money. You know, I don't want to hear any complaining from the coaches. Well, they didn't sign on for this either. And you've got to at least come up with some strategy and way to lay out a blueprint that works for everybody, that you can execute, that you can govern, that you can police. And you know what? That you can penalize. Can you imagine what happens to NFL teams if they get caught tampering? Nobody cares right now in college athlete, athletics if, if, if somebody gets caught tampering because there's there's no punishment for it. It's the biggest problem in college athletics. So it's a long-winded answer for you, Bobby, but we are getting closer and closer to signing these guys to contracts and then putting their feet to the fire to perform, to perform within that contract to what they signed on for. Because right now they, they don't have any accountability for anything. If they want to walk away, they can walk away. All right. If they decide they don't want to perform, they don't have to perform. They're still getting the money. That's that's not how the real world works. I heard a, I heard. I mean, tr true story. I heard a couple of guys that were in the college football playoff, not at the University of Texas, but elsewhere, were thinking about pulling out yeah. because it might in, they might get injured and their draft. I mean, and these guys that were all on NIL deals, yeah. right? I mean, so what what is the what's the process there, and what what's going to be? be happening. Jerry, you had something that, that happened over the weekend. I want you to share that with Tom and just get his feeling on this because it's 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 getting ready to be the Wild West if it wasn't already, Tom. Yeah, yeah. so Tom, I was out and about and less than 24 hours after that Friday announcement, a kid had already been contacted with an offer. Monetary offer. Boom. Within 24 hours. So people are wondering how aggressive this is going to be. Uh, Bobby and I did a you know a video on it over the weekend. It's an, Tom. It's another accelerator of the process, right? I mean, we've watched offers go out to eighth graders. We've watched the recruiting process move up a full calendar. Now this is another accelerator in a recruiting process, like you said, which is the wild, wild west and chaos. Um, I, I think what one thing that's going to happen is you know normally if you have 12 defensive linemen a blue bloods recruiting 12 defensive linemen right for three or four spots you got to get them in on official visits unofficial visits i i can see those schools that are rung below coming in with the biggest offer they can make early and trying to accelerate to some of these kids process away from some of these blue blood schools and accelerate that process and give them the walk away Right. And I, it's just going to be interesting to see how much this does accelerate the process once again, because it's coming. Well, the, the, the problem with the acceleration of the process is not everybody's playing with the same deck of cards, Jerry. Right. So right. if there's a if there's a group of 400, 500 kids out there that 
you know, the, the, the top, let's just say 50 programs in America are all targeting. I can promise you team 48 does not have team number five's resources. No. They never will. They never no. will. So there's never going to be any equity in all of this in terms of what are your resources to compete in this world? Like, or if, if I'm a Georgia, if I'm an Ohio State, if I'm a Texas, I'm a Texas A&M, I'm Oklahoma, whoever it may be, Clemson, right? I'm going to have distinct advantages, inherent advantages in this world. Now, some of those other programs that you just referenced, and I think a good one to, to list here would be Texas Tech because they got big money. Yeah. Okay. So what they would have to do is close the gap from a money perspective and then sell the program elevating to a national college football playoff level, which they haven't proven to be yet, but they would be able to compete on the money side and at the very least, what they'd end up doing is they would drive up the price. Yeah. Raise the market value, right, wrong, or indifferent. That's where a lot of these teams would, would, would come in and at least be able to compete and force the hand of a Texas, a Georgia, an Alabama, or, or an LSU. But it doesn't – and this is where I get frustrated in all this because and – I, and I referenced the NFL for a variety of reasons – They've come together as a group of players and a group of organizations to come to common ground that they've all agreed upon, which makes it equitable across the board. So when everybody's playing by the same heavily policed rules and you know exactly what your cap numbers are and you know exactly where you're standing roster wise, then everybody has equal footing to have a chance to be a championship caliber roster. We don't even resemble anything like that in intercollegiate athletics. Now, I know there's 32 teams in the NFL, and I know there's, you know, 130-some-odd in, in college football. And I think this is another reason why eventually we're going to have to break away from the group of five, give them their own, their own college football playoff, let them compete for a national championship. You can still schedule them in all of those sorts of, sorts of things. But then it comes down to who's, who, who the best teams are out there. But you've got to – put everybody in some type of realm where they know they at least have a chance, an equal chance to compete. And we don't, we don't have that right now. And so all we're doing is furthering the gap between the haves and the have nots because financially, how are they supposed to battle in that world? We got to figure out how many, the, what the right number of teams is and then figure and then go from there. Like who wants to compete at this level truly and it has the resources and the willingness to do yep. it. And then let's all let's all get in a room and figure it out. I think the athletic directors have to lead, though, or the or the presidents. It's Coaches. not going to be the NCAA. That's my problem. See that, and that's my other issue too. And the NCAA has zero teeth. They don't even have a bark right now. It's embarrassing. Um, but it's also a positive because I think it's going to lead to a better solution. Yes. Because the one thing when I talk to coaches across the board, the one thing they're really, really frustrated with is all of these people having meetings and getting together and discussing how we legislate this thing. There's no coaches in the room. What, what are we What are we doing? They're the ones living each and every day. Their voice should matter and be paramount to everybody else's. And that doesn't mean they're going to get their way on everything. But at least they would be a voice in the room that is telling the people that make some of these legislative decisions Guys, if we keep doing this, this is what's going to happen. This is going to be impossible. I mean, when you think about where we're at right now, we are the equivalent of, let's just say, uh, the, the Waltons, who own the Denver Broncos right now, who have arguably the most money of, 
of, of anybody in the NFL is an NFL ownership. And they decided that each and every year on a year-round basis, they're going to go and say, you know what, Patrick Mahomes, we think you're pretty good. How, how about you come over here? And you know what, uh, you know, Calvin Ridley, uh, you, you, you come over here. And, uh, you know, uh, Aaron Donald, uh, you, you come over here. And the player after each and every year can do it. No repercussions. They pay nothing back. They forfeit no rights. Yep. And that's exactly what's happening in college football right now. And that doesn't mean that it's all bad. What it means is we've got to be a nation of laws, right? Like we, we have to be able to, everybody's got to abide by rules. Like I have rules and things I can or cannot do at ESPN. I'm sure you guys all have different rules and employment and things that you have to hear, adhere to and deadlines that you have to meet and certain circumstances that you have to uh, be aware of at all times. That's not where this is right now. And until we get that part in order, which again is only going to come by making them employees, then we're yeah. going to continue to go into this vicious cycle round and round. Hey, um, I got to I got to say this. We got to. I'm done with the NCA for today. Let's get back to football. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, we have not talked to you since the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. So Texas lost to Washington, obviously. Uh, uh, Michigan beat Alabama. Michigan beats Washington in the national championship down in Houston. What was your takeaway from those games, uh, just uh, big picture wise? Well, I think when you when you get to that level and the and the 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 town across the board is so equitable and the margin for error is, is so narrow that those games and in both the semifinals it, it kind of comes down or it came down to. Not necessarily the plays that were made, but the team that avoided the mistakes, the mistakes that you didn't make, um, whatever that may be. That could be a procedure penalty. That could be a fumble. That could be a giving up a, a punt return for a touchdown, whatever it is. And I think with the semifinal and the championship game, Michigan outclassed Washington in the championship game. Um, but I thought in the, the, the two semifinals, it was especially Texas and Washington just going back and forth and back and forth and it made for great football. I thought both semifinal games are two of the best semifinal games we've had in the college football playoff era. If you think about it, there prior to this this year, this cycle, there had only been two semifinal games that weren't blowouts. So at least we had you know good equal matchups, and um, and I think you know a program like Texas and even Washington right now, even though they've just been decimated with the departure of Kalen DeBoer and the rosters, a shell of what it looked like you know on January first. But a team like Texas that's now had a taste of it, right, it kind of fuels the, um, okay, we're this, we're this close. Like, and everybody can see it now. It's not, it's not a vision. It's not something that's been presented. It's real. It's tangible. It's happened. And so you say, well, how far away are we? What do we need to hit? Like, where, where are we, you know, just off that, that much, you know, those types of things. And so I think that, I look at those games and coming off of them, win or lose, like all of those teams, Michigan included, despite the departure of Jim Jim Harbaugh. I mean, I don't see them regressing, right? I don't see Texas regressing. Washington may may a little bit. We'll see how they fit in the to the Big Ten. If you really ask my honest opinion, Georgia would have beat Michigan. I think Georgia was <laughs> their number six, and they, they they were I think the the head and shoulders best football team. Um, in America, and of course, the the college football playoff will solve that. Now going to twelve teams. 
Hey, Tom, you kind of hit on something uh, that I've been hitting on, but we're going to so, uh, we're gonna bring up a question from the chat in a second because I want, I want your answer on this. It'll be interesting. But to your point, I think it's a great year to be Steve Sarkeesian because the team got – they saw the mountaintop, but they didn't get to the mountaintop. And they have so much experience coming back. Then talk about the portal additions. I mean, you've seen Isaiah Bond, Nye Black, Silas Bolden, who I know you really like. Um, talk about, you know, those portal additions. Matthew Golden at Houston. I don't know if you had a Houston game, but uh, what Texas has added in your eyes. Because to me, they're going to be a faster offense next year speed-wise than they were even this year. I, I totally agree with that. I think the only downside to – this cycle of them now heading into the SEC is losing those two big behemoths at the defensive tackle spot. Like, they're not just plug-and-play replaceable guys. And I think that's one thing to note with Texas going forward. They've generated so much depth within their roster, and we talk about this all the time with college football playoff caliber teams or top four four-ranked teams, is where are you the strongest? You're the strongest in the offensive line, the defensive line, and, and you'd love to be the strongest at quarterback. And then secondarily, when you lose a guy or two at those spots, how badly does it hurt you? I remember the 2019 national championship between Clemson and, yeah. and Alabama. And that was the year that, that Dexter Lawrence got suspended for the college football playoff. Did anybody even notice? Like, no, nobody even noticed, right? So, like, defensively, that's the goal. How, how much have they closed that gap, all right? between the guy that departs, it was a dominant player, and then the next guy that comes in. And they added some edge guys in the transfer portal on defense, so I like the depth that they've added. I think Andrew McCuba was a huge secondary um, uh, addition in the back end who's been a, a proven fixture since he was a freshman at Clemson. But you're right, Jerry. They might have gotten a little bit smaller on the shorter side, but they might be more explosive Yes. Uh, when you talk about space players and things of that nature. And I think the one thing I know Sark's always loved – is Swiss Army knives, right? The, the guys, they can be a return factor. They can be a slot guy. They can be the jet sweep guy. Um, they're the bubble guy. Uh, then they're fast enough to go on the outside and take the top off of a defense. How do you incorporate all of those different guys to get them in space and maximize our best guy versus your most efficient guy? And, you know, like I said, what they've given up maybe in, in height, they probably added in the ability to – you know, even if you just took a five-yard RPO stick route over the slot, that guy's capable of turning the five-yard catch into the 80-yard touchdown. And, you know, I just – it does. It makes you it makes you more dangerous. We know what they are on the offensive line. Um, I have said this with you guys before. I think it's going to be exciting to see an offensive lineman go in the first round from Texas for the first time in, what, 23, 24 years? Yeah. Which is, that's head-scratching to me. Like, I still – that – I every time that stat comes out of my mouth, I still don't understand it. But – um. That means Clemson. Clemson's really on the clock at that point, Tom. It's no been over doubt. thirty years. Yeah, for them. no, no, no doubt. So, um, no. Listen, I, I think that if you're a program like Texas, you're never going to live in the portal. Yeah. You're going to shop in the portal, and because you want the future and the foundation to to be long term, to be depth driven, but you also have the opportunity to be a, a significant fixture at the high school level. Um, with the top-level players in the country, particularly at the most premium positions. And then you go and you add, you know, a guy here and a guy there. What I think Sark's probably done as good a job of, and, and, and this is where I think Mike Norvell did the most remarkable job over the last three years, is evaluating the guy in the portal 
who is better than what you currently have that's not going to come in and destroy your locker room. Like that, that's the thing. You got to ask the question, why is the guy in the portal? Yeah. Is there a problem? Is it all about money? Um, and then you got to be willing to weigh risk, right? What are you, what are you willing to risk if you were going to bring a guy into the portal? And let's just say, you know, there's a problem. Um, you have to answer that question if the guy doesn't pan out. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. All right, Tom, Tom we have a uh, question for you here from Colton. This is the one Jerry was talking about. And Colton asked, Tom, who has been the most impressive recruit that you've seen in person? I'm going to get Tom's mind going on this. Because my initial thought when I saw the question was, I remember Tom, Craig Halbert, and I sitting there watching Jadavion Clowney and saying, I've never seen anybody this size this quick ever in my life. But I, I'm just getting Tom started. Let's see where he goes. It's so easy to default to him. Yeah. Turned on the film, it wasn't fair. Like, right. when I say it wasn't fair, like, He's playing tailback and he's almost six foot seven. And he's like 245. He's returning kicks. I don't know if you remember this distinct play. It's burning my brain. You remember him going down on kickoff coverage? Yes. Absolutely destroying that. I mean, that made national news that just that one clip, you know. And if you were to ask me the most impressive, like without question, the most impressive, athletically, you'd have to say it's clowny, but you wouldn't say it was clowny. If you were asking the question, who's the most productive right. recruit you saw? Because uh, I love Jadavion, but that boy loves to take a little break here now, every now and then. <laughs> he, he disappears every now and then. Um, but obviously, he was he was a, a special, special guy. I would probably say, because I think he kind of transformed the position, I might say Julio Jones. Because not only was Julio Jones athletically just unbelievably impressive, like he was as advertised. When he decided to go to Alabama, he when you do that and you make that move and you're an in-state kid, the pressure on you to perform is so much greater than it would have been had he gone. I think at the end it was Oklahoma, Texas Tech, or some other teams in on it. Then it's not as big a deal. You're kind of removed. You're away from home. But – he answered the toll under, I think, difficult expectations for an in-state kid that had that much hype. And then he also helped transform a program. You're muted, Bobby. Tom, what are, what are you up to these days, bud? Anything um, going on? Um, well, I'm, I, I've, I've finally broken down, and Jerry's going to chuckle at this because he knows how much I cringe at social media. And, I, and, I, and when I say cringe, that's not fair. I cringe at the constant self-promotion the whole entire thing. And so everybody's been asking, why don't you do, why don't you just get on and get some takes, do some stuff here now and then. So I finally caved. I started doing that. I'm trying to kind of build into a little diff, bit of a different world. I want to make it more about analysis and commentary and player evaluation and scouting and things of that nature more than I want to make it about trying to get touches and likes and follows and this and that. I mean, 
So I'm, I'm kind of diving into it. In fact, when I'm done with you guys here, I'm going to, I'm going to jump into a couple of things and really want to discuss to the, you know, the NCAA uh, deal that we discussed when we started on here. Have, I wanted to kind of take the weekend and let that digest a little bit. Everybody was so quick to like respond to it. And so I'm going to do a little bit of that, but a lot of shorts, a lot of nuggets, things of that nature. So that keeps me busy. I got the UFL coming up for my, let's see, my fourth time in 20, Three years, I guess. So the first one was 2021. Then we came back in 2020. Then COVID hit. Then 2023 last year. And uh, Jerry, I'm with Lowell Galindo. Oh, yeah. He's my play-by-play this year. So I got a month, about a month between now and then. And then in between that, we've got uh, Under Armour camps in both um, Dallas and Houston that I've got uh, here in the next couple of weeks. And then aside from that, it's uh, UC report player evaluations and a couple of dot com deadlines on uh, doing some stuff on positional fits uh, where a guy could fit scheme wise. And then is there a spot for him to play right away? Uh, so uh, I'm actually working on finishing that up right now. Anybody at Texas, uh, before we let you go, anybody at Texas you're interested in seeing at the combine that you're kind of honing in on? Well, you asked me a question that includes like 400 people. <laughs> yes, uh, <I> know. <laughs> just, just for Texas, though, just for University of Texas guys that intrigue you kind of. I don't I, – you put me on the spot and I can't answer it. <laughs> I would have to look at the list. I'd have to look at the list. And our list on both of those camps isn't complete yet. So um, I do – Oh, I'm to- talking about the NFL combine. I'm talking about the NFL combine. Oh, the NFL combine. I yeah, thought- yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Tom, because you're thinking about Under Armour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm interested on JT Sanders, how he runs, Tom. Yeah, and if he's healthy, I think he'll run fine. But he's just lingering with the the injury this year. And he finally, I remember, because we had, again, Texas, our crew had him four times. And and he just, it was like every other time we had him, he was fine. And then he wasn't, and he was fine, and he wasn't. But he battled through it. I think that actually says a lot. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Did Xavier Worthy get invited? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yep. If he participates, I want to see if anybody can cover him. That's that's it because he's not going to be the most physically opposing guy walking on the field, right, or walking into the room. But he's got separation skills that I think are just unique, and um, he'll be a guy that I think is going to be very, very fun to watch to see if people in a one-on-one setting, good on good, great on great, can match up with him consistently. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We definitely appreciate it. Guys, thanks for having me as always. Have a good rest of the week. Hey, you're all safe, right, Tom. Thanks. Right, have it. Hook them. <laughs> all right. Tom Luganville of ESPN, everybody. Great guest as always. No doubt about it. Well, yeah, no, it's, it's uh, you know, obviously Tom and I have known each other for years. Had so much fun working with him uh, for a decade. And, uh, you know, we'll be at that Under Armour camp in Houston together. Uh, but uh, just, does a, just does a phenomenal job. Uh, unbelievable memory. Um, for, you know, all the high school kids that, you know, that's in uh, Under Armour game started in 2006, I believe was the first year it started. Uh, so that's been going on 18 years now. Um, but he can, you know, if we sat there and had a conversation, he could run off his thoughts on all those guys uh, all the way back. So a uh, great guy to talk college football, uh, recruiting with the whole landscape. Well, Jerry, if oh, you're ready. Of landscapes, here we go. <laughs> yeah, speaking of landscapes, I need you to tell everybody about Manscaped. Man, what a transition of luck that was. 2024 is here, guys. 
It's in full swing. And that means it's time for a New Year's resolution check-in with our friends at Manscaped. Newsflash, it's never too late to level up your grooming game and keep your bush tame. Manscaped's new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is every man's cheat code to look good, feel good, and turn the page on confidence this year. Whether you're going for a trim or that clean-shaven look, this trimmer has you covered. Trusted by over 10 million men worldwide, and that number's growing on on Texas football, obviously. Now is your time to get a grip on your grooming with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use on Texas all caps for 20% off plus free shipping. The ball is dropped, guys. Don't drop the ball on your balls. <laughs> Only at Manscaped. Want to thank them for being a sponsor on today's show, for sure. All right, well, let's get to some questions, because we haven't got to do that much yet. And uh, we'll start with this one from Ekim. Morning from Rockford, Illinois. Who do you see as the Big Ten football champions for 24? Boy, if it's not Ohio State, Ryan, Di Ryan Day is going to be finding a new job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going with Oregon. Oregon over Ohio State. I'm, I'm going with Ohio State. Ohio State. With you. Like, pull up Oregon's schedule if you get a chance. All right. Give me I, Jerry, I would say this. I, I would say this. I believe that Texas I, – I believe that Ohio State would be my preseason favorite to win the national championship right now. I think it's Ohio State and Georgia. Those are the two. I, uh, I like Burn Orange Horn. Happy Marty Balls. That's a good one. Um, <laughs> I, I think – Oregon has the one of the more favorable schedules next year to me in college football. If you look at them in Ohio, they get Ohio State at home. Um, that they're at Michigan, not a bad year to play at Michigan. But when I was looking at uh, CJ and I were doing some stuff, and I started looking at Oregon's schedule, I was like, my gosh, is that a favorable schedule next year? I mean, Oregon's got Oregon's got a great schedule in year one in the Big Ten. Um, but what'll be interesting, what'll be interesting about the Big Ten discussion is both these teams are talking about new starting quarterback. Most yeah. likely first year guy in the system, too. Dylan Gary Brewer at Oregon, and if Will Howard wins that job at Ohio State. So I, I agree, Bobby, with Ohio State. Roster-wise, I think Georgia and Ohio State are the top two in college football next year. I think Caleb Downs is a massive addition in the portal massive addition for Ohio State. I mean, he's one of the, going to be one of the very best football players in the country next year, no doubt. Yeah. I, I'm big. I, I don't know. I don't know people are making a lot, uh, taking shots at Ryan Day, myself included, about being born on third base, you know, um, uh, at his head coaching job. But two years ago, they were beating Georgia in the fourth quarter. They had a field goal to go to win that game, right? Um, and, and it went wide. I, I feel like Ohio State's better than that. My only question for them will be whether or not Will Howard is a national championship quarterback. Well, and that's your point. That That's the point. Your point, Bobby, is did C.J. Stroud give him the best look he's really truly ever going to have? Yeah. And C.J. Stroud's better than – I mean, look, I thought C.J. Stroud was good coming out. I didn't realize he was what he is. Yeah. I mean, I thought he was just another plug-and-play Ohio State quarterback. It is clear – he is not just another plug-and-play quarterback for anybody. Yeah. He's he's a potential superstar in the NFL. 
Uh, we're going to take that question a step further. Champ Bailey three says, who are the power five champions for the 24 season? So let's start with the SEC. So power four, right? Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'll take Oregon State and the Pac-12, what's left of it. <laughs> you went out on a limb. SEC? I mean, what show am I on? I'll take Georgia. <laughs> I just went Lee Corso. I'll take Georgia. Um, no, I think uh, – I actually think Georgia's got a tougher schedule this year. And I think because Georgia's playing at Texas, the I, 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 problem is you're going to have to – I think those two teams will play twice in the SEC championship. Um, I'm going to go Georgia uh, in the second meeting. I think Texas wins in Austin and Georgia gets them in, in their home game in Atlanta, right? Um, Oregon Big Ten over Ohio State for me. I'm undecided between Utah and Arizona. In the Big 12, um, I guess I'll go Utah because I don't know the coach. If if the coaching uh, staff hadn't changed at Arizona, I would Arizona hands down for me. Um, ACC, golly, man. Um, I'm not going with Dabo. I, I, some, I see a lot of FSU. I can't go with FSU with DJ Yungilele at QB. I just That's a hard one for me. I might have to go back to Clemson. He's too he's two losses. Too erratic. Yeah. I went Georgia down a notch at quarterback from Travis Hunter. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Especially in college. Yeah. As a college quarterback. Uh, I went with Georgia and the SEC, Ohio State and the Big Ten. I think those are the two top teams really heading into the year. Uh I went Utah in the Big 12. Uh, I do believe that the Utes with Cam Rising coming back at quarterback have mm. a real chance. Uh, and then uh you know what? I went Clemson in the ACC as well, Jerry. Clay, Kate Clubman uh, finally getting it going. They had a good end right. to the year. After after Clubnick kind of tried to, to, to go solo and, and take the ball on the one-yard line against Miami, they had a good, win, a good end to the year. The other team that I'm just interested is what Mario Cristobal can do at Miami. He's starting to accumulate real talent. I mean, he really, really is. And at some point, you think he's going to win it. I mean, he won two conference championships at Oregon. So it's not like he's a bad coach. The question is, does he have enough to beat Clemson, in my opinion? He's got, I think he may have the best quarterback in the ACC this year. The transfer from Washington State, Cam Ward, which I think was huge for them. Well, I, I've said all along, I thought Riley Leonard was the biggest portal win at Notre Dame. Yep. Cam Ward may be second at Miami. He's tremendous. Yeah. He's a great college quarterback. Yeah. All right. No By love. No takers for Matt Brown or Deion Sanders in the hey, chat. Well, I was going to say no love for Kansas State in the Big 12. I've got to see, I've got to see the youngster throw the football consistently first. If he takes a big if Avery Johnson takes a big step, then yes. But they didn't trust him to throw the ball against Texas last year. That's that means you got a long way to go in the coach's eyes. Did they impress anybody on the offensive or defensive lines? They lost a lot of guys. I I, I don't think Kansas. I I know Kleiman's good. I mean, K Kansas has a better chance. Jalen Daniels like, back. Daniels back. I mean, look, I could be I could be wrong. I think Texas Tech's going to be competitive. I think TCU will be competitive, but it's going to be hard beating Utah. When they have home games, Big 12 teams are going to go out there and wilt. That's yeah. hard. 
competing in that altitude. It's hard. Uh, uh, one of uh, Champ Bailey has a follow-up question as well. He said, didn't the playoff committee state a 5-7 format for the playoffs? Who is the fifth conference if the Pac-12 isn't a real conference? It's just the highest five conference ratings. It's not necessarily the power five. So that, ostensibly, they thought that would end up being a USC or somebody like that. But now that uh, that's gone, that that's essentially it. They're not guaranteed. The Pac-12 is not guaranteed to be one of those five. So it could be the AAC or whoever. Okay. Hey, Jerry, question for you. Yeah. How do you think about SMU joining the, the ACC? What do you think of their chances out there? Uh, you know, it'll be interesting. I, I think um, they may have as fast a skill guys as anybody in the ACC next year. Um, I just wonder about offensive and defensive lines. Yeah, I think that's where it takes time to build, right? And you saw that, you know, what happened to U of H when the, the D tackle that transferred to Oregon went out of the game against Texas. They didn't have anybody to replace him. It kind of goes back to what Luganville was talking about, having depth on D-line. I just wonder, you know, as injuries mount on an offensive or defensive line for SMU, do they have enough to compete for the entire season? I think at the skill spots, I, I think they do, out of the gates, no doubt. I got to say this. This is just t- tells me how crazy conferences is, are. SMU goes to the ACC while UCF, Central Florida sitting there in the middle of the state of Florida goes to the Big 12. Makes no sense. Hey, by the way, is UCF – somebody mentioned Kansas. Uh, the Big 12, not like we're all going to be sitting there watching their games on Saturday. Nobody <laughs> else will either. But um, UCF's interesting with K.J. Jefferson. They're an interesting little sleeper because they have Florida talent. They do pretty well out of the portal at UCF. It's kind of a good bounce-back school, so to speak. Malzahn does have big game experience and has been successful in a lot of those. KJ Jefferson, if he's healthy for UCF, that makes them an interesting team next year. So UCF's projected win total next next year in the Big 12 is eight and a half. Kansas State, nine and a half. Utah, nine and a half. Texas Tech and Kansas and Arizona all have eight and a half as well. And then you're talking about SMU. Theirs is seven and a half in their first year in the ACC. Good stuff, Blake. Somebody asked a basketball question recruiting Jermaine O'Neal's son. Uh, yeah, Texas is recruiting Jermaine O'Neal's son. I, way off from decisions in that class. I uh, we, we talked about it last week, but uh, I, I want to mention it again. Uh, Trevor Goosby's little brother, Austin Goosby, 6'5 and a half, sophomore shooting guard um, over at Melissa High. Uh, Texas is now recruiting him in basketball, as is Kansas, as is Duke. So his his – he, he is starting to really ascend this season. They just lost a long view uh, there on a last-minute uh, game. But uh, Austin Goosby, for those guys that follow basketball recruiting, Trevor Goosby's little brother, name to know, that he'll be making a first recruiting unofficial visit to Texas for the Oklahoma State game. Uh, we're going to talk some Texas football here in just a second. Bob, Bobby, before we do, can you tell folks out there about John Donovan and Longhorn Wealth Management Group? Yeah, absolutely. John wants to remind all Texans that this coming Saturday, March 2nd, is Texas Independence Day. So just as our great Lone Star State succeeded in, uh, succeeded in establishing its independence from Mexico back in 1836, John and the Longhorn Wealth team want to help each member of the On Texas football family establish their own financial independence. Let John, a certified financial planner who has spent 
more than 30 years providing investment, retirement, insurance, and estate planning services and solutions to his clients help you achieve your own financial independence by building and optimizing your tax design, your desired tax-efficient retirement income. Give John and his Longhorn Wealth team a call, 972-707-4900, or visit longhornwealth.net for a free 90-minute consultation to explore how they can help you achieve true financial independence. Remember the Alamo and hook them. Okay, guys. Well, we'll get to some of these Texas questions right now. Longhorn Football Edit says, who are the starting wide receivers if we played today? Well, um, since Silas Bolden's not on campus, so you can't pick him. Can't there. pick him. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, um, it's Bond. Uh, it's Golden. It's John Taco. No doubts. No doubts. You add Silas Bolden to that mix, and then you you see whether or not there's a a trust factor that amps, you know, yeah. and if he enters that circle of trust. Then this next question comes from Colton. And he says, do we see more four, four wide sets and less 12 personnel on offense in 24? I think it's going to continue to be multiple. I, I think, you know, CJ and I talked about this in a video uh, Sunday on, on Texas football, but I call it like, I, I stole the floor spacing from uh, basketball and called it field spacing. Zark wants to space the field, and he wants to do it multiple ways. Um, so the pony package Rod likes. I could see that with even Silas Bolden lining up as, as the other running back if you don't want to take a wide receiver off the field. I think he's got – I think Zark's got more toys to play with this year, so you're going to continue to see more versatility – He's going to do everything he can to not make a defensive coordinator feel comfortable on a play-to-play, series-to-series, game-to-game basis against him, against the University of Texas. So I think he's going to continue to be very multiple. Um, Bobby, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I think you're going to see a little bit of everything, but maybe not a lot of anything except the inside zone run. I'll just say this. I I. I'm sitting here thinking, oh, yeah, they should go four wides. And I think to myself, well, that would mean fewer touches for Jaden Blue. Guy that runs like the wind out of the backfield. And so I, my, my take on it is, is, is similar to Jerry's and CJ's and I think what Steve Sarkeesian wants. He wants a lot of toys so that whatever he calls, it has, it has a, a potential to house with whoever's touching the ball. That's really two years ago in 2022. They did not have that. They had more of that in 2023 with A.D. Mitchell. But even A.D. Mitchell isn't necessarily um, a catch and run guy, right? right. He's more yeah. of a catch downfield guy. Yeah. He's got a bunch of catch and run guys now. I mean, look, Isaiah Bond defines catch and run. Amari Nyblack is, at tight end is much more of a catch and run guy than even J.T. Sanders, who got a lot of yards after catch this year. I think I think Sark's offense is going to try to look a little bit more like the Miami Dolphins. That's that's I, I think he's got those kind of weapons on in the college game. And what's interesting to me, Jerry, is how does that fit in the SEC? Because they're going to be better on the defensive line there. The the opponent the opposing teams will. And so you have to you have to figure that out a little bit. I, I think what's uh, a couple of things on that. I think it makes you tougher to defend than the SEC 
because and it's all going to come down to Cam Williams, DJ Campbell, and pass protection. You'll know how confident Sark is in his pass protection against really good teams when Texas goes to Michigan week two. If this is a high-level pass pro offensive line and that they can handle – look, Michigan may have two first-rounders if they broke back, Mason Graham and um, and is it Jenkins? Um, uh, Kenneth Grant. Take Kenneth Grant. So you're going to know week two how Sark truly feels about his offensive line. If this is his best pass pro offensive line with his third-year starting quarterback, uh, I think it's a big benefactor going into the SEC to be able to have this type of speed as long as the pass pro can hold up. And I want to say this, how, how big I think Nye Black is in the role he'll have is in basketball terms, if you have a stretch four, a power forward that can shoot the basketball the way it opens up the floor and maximizes your floor spacing, if you got good enough guards around him, is amazing. JT Sanders is a very good football player. Nye Black's a tick and a half to two ticks faster. So you have the ability to have that guy stress a defense more so than JT Sanders could. And I'm not saying he's going to be the 50-50 ball winner, but I'm talking about stressing the defense on a play-in, play-out basis. I think Texas with Vaughn and Nyblack, Silas Bolden's a very fast guy. Um, somebody told me Matthew Golden's quicker than you think yesterday. This is an offense that has enough speed to truly stress a defense field spacing-wise. The best that Sark's had since he's been at Texas. No question about it. Uh, Ski Breck says, while a slew of four-star wide receivers sit the bench and never see the field, why do you still recruit from the high school level if this is the future at wide receiver? Of course, talking about the portal. Because I think that what Tom Luganbell said is right. You don't – Texas wants to select from the portal but shop from high school. And the more – you can, and, and let's be clear, Sark played Xavier Worthy from the outset. He, he's going to get ready to play Jonte Cook. You don't know. If you get a great one, you take him when you can. I'm not so sure. And add in the fact that Texas had nothing coming back at wide receiver other than the true freshman last year. I'm not so sure that Texas won't take less in high school. But we'll see how they come out. I mean, if you get who you want, it's different. Texas wasn't getting who they wanted at wide receiver. I mean, Casey Kane, I, I, I like Casey Kane. He wasn't the guy, right, that they that they uh, zeroed in on. Um, I'm thinking of the, the sophomore group. Jaden Alexis wasn't the guy. There's a bunch of different guys like that. They wanted Evan Stewart, right? He was the guy. If Texas gets the guys, that changes in my opinion. I, th I think you still have to have also a developmental aspect no doubt. in college football. Look, I, I think it's easy to just say, just go take three, four, guy, four receivers from the portal and one guy in high school every year. That's not the way Sark's going to do it. And I agree with Sark. You have to develop guys still. Um, because the, reali the reality is, what happens the one year you have the injury bug? And two of those three receivers you take out of the portal get hurt. If you have not had good development and really talented high school kids coming in behind them and those that have developed in your program, you're SOL that season. Uh, we'll go from wide receiver to running back. Randy Johnson says, does Baxter need to make a bigger jump this year? 
I think he needs to grow and he needs to get stay healthy. I mean, I, I feel I think a lot of people judge him based on a, a not a version that we truly saw. Um, if I were to tell him that the obviously he's going to get bigger and stronger. I think that's natural based on uh, just his development. The thing that I want to see from him mentally, Jerry, is patience, more patience in the hole. Um, he doesn't, he seems to rush the, the hole when it's not quite developed yet. Now, part of that is, you know, he doesn't want to make a mistake, et cetera. He's a freshman, but he needs to have a little bit more patience with his feet and trust, trust the blocking a little bit more. Now, you know, that's, that's a small thing, but I think it could take him from being a, um, a, a good running back with ex excellent skills to a great running back. That one little thing. Uh, and, and I think another the, there's two things I think transition from year one to year two with backs. That one that Bobby uh, just talked about. The other one is your eyes are always up. Um, the one thing he did so well that really caught the attention of the Texas staff from spring to August was after first contact, he kept his eyes up. So now that next piece is after second contact, you continue to keep your eyes up. That's where I think running backs take the big jump right, is the vision to press the hole, to have that patience, and then maximize uh, to the second level. And then on contact, those eyes have to stay up. It's no different than, than a quarterback. Once he feels the rush and his eyes drop, plays over. Um, running back, after that first contact, eyes have to stay up. After that second contact, when the eyes stay, stay up, you become a tremendous player. Okay, Corey J says, who's your player and also your position to watch this spring? I'm interested in the linebackers and Akana. I think I think that's one guy. Darian Gillette might be one that I would just say right off the bat would be uh, someone that I'm hearing uh, great things about behind the scenes that uh, nobody really has, has seen yet. Uh, you know, other people they've seen. Uh, I'm going back through the list. I just talked to some folks uh, over the weekend and or late last week, too. Galette would definitely be one. Another would be Jamon Tapp. I've heard some promising things from him of late. Uh, so we'll see there. Uh, Alex January as a true freshman. I, I think I'm interested to see where he, how he ends up this spring. Uh, there's a lot. I mean, that's the great thing. Tom talked about, Tom Livingerbill talked about this, how what's the drop off once guys graduate? That's what I'm interested to see this this summer or this spring. We need to see what the drop off is really going to be. And I, I feel like Texas has recruited well enough that the drop off is not going to be great. It may be it may be big immediately, but over the course of the season, we'll see some guys step into larger and larger roles and, and play well. That's I'm also interested in Trey Moore. I've heard so such good things about him from behind the scenes right now too that we haven't seen him in a longhorn uniform yet uh my, mine is linebacker for sure because it was a big linebacker class in 23 and those guys didn't see the field much or at all and they redshirts whether that's a foul to add on to what bobby said samaje burrell what is it's a big spring for him coming up after a redshirt year all that young talent at linebacker who's going to step up uh is that a Kana playing kind of a combo hybrid linebacker edge where who's going to step up this spring? That's going to be big for Texas. Um, I mean, Kendrick Blackshire is an experienced guy in the middle, but not a heavy snap guy. So, 
these young linebackers are going to somebody, a couple of those guys are going to have to uh, step up. And on Jamon Tap, I want to say this as, as Isaac Darden says, we're tapping in the tap here a little bit. So I went to see Tap in high school down in um, South Louisiana, Cinchin Catholic. He was as raw. Him and Jure Bledsoe were the two most raw prospects in that class coming out of high school. Both of them had extremely talented, great feet, great athleticism. Tap has that frame to weigh 275 and be an athlete uh, with extremely quick feet and good twitch. But technically, he hadn't even begun the process. Dre Bledsoe hadn't even begun the process. So this is the spring when these two guys, if they're going to go on and, and kind of be those guys we talk about being future combine invites, because athletically they are. This is a spring where they, it starts to take shape for them a little bit. I, when you talk about development, this is what development looks like. Yep. And you got it, you know, fingers crossed it comes through. And they, they worked hard enough to get it done. And then on the secondary, we know Makuba is going to be really good. He started three years at Clemson. I think it'll be interesting. Who Who is – it's not about, okay, Phil to me is a big-time athlete. Jordan Johnson's a big-time instinctive uh, – Jordan Johnson Bell, big-time instinctive football player. Who out of the Derek Williams in year two? But these from these freshmen, uh, whether it's Wardell Mack, does do any of these guys show the sign that they they're picking up scheme and they're kind of hitting the ground running, playing free early on in their college careers? Those guys tend to have tend to make impacts their freshman year more than people think. All right, y'all. We're gonna do the super chat, then we better get out of here on this Monday morning. And Texas Beats, thank you for the super chat. He says, in this age of NIL and the transfer portal, do you think we'll see another down decade for Texas like we just saw? Bobby, you're shaking your head. No, I'm gonna let you start. Uh, if you don't think that this helps Texas, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, Texas is one of the haves, not one of the have-nots. Um, and so that Texas Beats, I, I hear you. But uh, I feel like an open market, if that's ultimately what comes to pass in the next two to three years, will absolutely favor the Longhorns. Absolutely. As much or more than any school in the country, by the way. As much or more than any school in the country. So, and, I'll I, ask you, he, I, and I will say this. The down decade is over, in my opinion. They just went eight and five and what? 13 or 12 and two. Is that right? 13, 12 and two or 13 yeah. and two? Can't even remember. My point being the, the down decade is over. We're looking forward right now. I'm, I'm very excited about where Texas football is headed to the point where I'm not thinking about Texas being down at all right now. And I, Arch mania is a reason for that, by the way, the arch part of it, <laughs> because Texas has quarterbacks, man. What happened? Why did the down decade start? Quarterbacks. Y'all want to roll through Mac Brown's decisions and quarterback <laughs> quarterbacks. You want to be excited about a football team? Start hey, the Houston Texans for decades didn't have a quarterback. They didn't do anything. They get a quarterback, they're good. Texas has Quinn Ewers right now, Arch Manning waiting, KJ Lacey, Trey Owens, both good prospects. Sark's got quarter gonna get quarterbacks. That's the that's as long as he does, I, I'm. it's not going to be about a decade. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, so that's – Bobby stole what I was going to add on to that. Is I, I really think college football is Major League Baseball. I, I think that's what it is as of right now. 
So the Yankees, Dodgers, you name your team, right? They 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 have the biggest bats to swing in an aisle. Okay. But what to Bobby's point, I think Texas has two number one pitchers. Look, I mean, I I think with Quinn and Arch, okay, that's a good place to be. If you continue to have two number one pitchers, um, where if your starter goes down, you got a really good replacement, and that replacement takes over, he's an NFL prospect. And if that guy gets hurt, then you got to come in as a really good player as well. If you continue to have two number one pitchers, you're going to win a lot of games with the uh, power that Texas has right now. Yeah, no doubt. Well, because, look, I mean, here's the reality. Um, you look at Georgia this season. If Bet goes down, what does it look like at quarterback for them? That's going to be interesting. Vandegrift, uh, he goes to Kentucky, right? Rayola flips to Nebraska. Their quarterback room probably wasn't what they thought it was going to be headed into next year when uh, headed into spring football. So just something that it's hard to have two good quarterbacks. And just think about Texas the last two seasons. You need him. Are you trying? Well, I said we were going to get out of here after that question, but I lied because another super chat came in. V Brown, thank you for the super chat. It says, entering the SEC, how worried are you about the interior of our defensive line? I'm not as much as most people. Um, I, I think uh, Texas recruited well. Uh, I, I think there's some factors into that. When you're better on the edge, I, I think that helps offset some a uh, couple of key losses on an interior, right? Um, I, I think Texas. I don't think Texas is where Georgia's at, clearly. But Kirby's in year whatever. Um, but I, I don't think the drop off is going to be as big as people think because I think everything else around it's going to be better. Um, now, is there a game, a Georgia, that returns four offensive linemen that started their bowl game and they're all going to be draft picks? Does a game like that come into play? Michigan, we don't know what their offensive line is going to look like. Look at the schedule Texas plays, too. I mean, Oklahoma replaced their whole offensive line. A&M, that better, they better get better there. I mean, that that people talk about Texas interior D-line, A&M's offensive line. They, they better figure that out quick in like a few weeks. Um, but if you look at Texas' schedule, it's not a bad schedule to lose Sweat and Murphy. But I think, they're, I think they'll get somebody out of the portal, guys, after the spring. I think they're going to be better than you think. I, I talked to somebody on Friday. Run defense is a concern. Of the, of the coaches. So we can say how much is it versus, uh, to Jerry's point, it's a relative conversation. They're not vacant or void of talent at the position. Um, but run defense is a concern for the Texas coaching staff. There is no doubt about it. Uh, Jerry said they're going to try to get one. They could take two more defensive tackles out of the portal. That's how big a potential concern it is. Okay. So that's number one. Number two, uh, you know, it a lot depends on a guy like Jare Bledsoe. And Sadir. You know, and Sadir Mitchell and Alex January. And how good are they? They don't know yet, really. I mean, Bledsoe's trying to come on, so they know what they have in him. But is he going to blossom? Right? They know that he has got the world of talent. But is he going to be 300 pounds and actually be there every day? You know, they don't know yet. And so I think they're concerned about run defense in general right now. Okay, guys. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of Coffee and Football. We want to thank John Donovan and Longhorn Wealth Management Group, along with Manscaped, for sponsoring today's show. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for the super chats. 
Sorry we didn't get to all the questions, but you can head on over to ontexasfootball.com and uh, we'll continue to keep that discussion going. You can get your recruiting information, your team news. As Jerry said at the beginning, he dropped a whole smorgasbord, I think was the word that you used there, uh, of recruiting info. So if you haven't read that already, go over to ontexasfootball.com and check it out. It's free. And if you haven't hit that like button yet, we would definitely appreciate that. And subscribe as well. Ring the bell so you're notified anytime we post a new video right here on the On Texas Football YouTube channel. So for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Hook up, guys. Have a good day. Have a good week. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.